0: it's our text this morning and it's a pretty intense passage to get through and especially for God's people it it is a challenging passage because within these verses what we have is God's judgment against his own people for not applying and living out the word that he had given them you know as we look at the Bible and different examples within whether it was Abraham um, at times or the Israelites or the believers throughout the New Testament age, uh, you know, we sometimes, or at least we have the ability to l- sometimes live in such a way where we have God's word, but we don't live God's word. And so all of us here, I mean, we all have God's word right in front of us, and we know very well from personal experience that having God's word and living God's word are two very separate things, and that's what we're going to be reading about this morning. <clears throat> but when God's people live that way, uh, we tend to give ourselves a pass for sins or pursuits that the Lord has condemned. Uh, it's just something we're prone to do. Uh, Moses was going to confront Pharaoh in God's power, but didn't circumcise his own son. David was going to execute a man who had stolen a tiny lamb while he himself had just committed murder and adultery. Uh, ananias and sapphira they were going to come to church and bring an offering but they were lying to the holy spirit among themselves and and we too can do this in our own lives and that's why we're warned about this so often in the scriptures and and what god has been doing in the first two chapters here of amos is building up his case against his own people so that they would see how serious sin really is to him and how far they had moved away from what their lives really should have been and god's people We're giving themselves a pass and that's something that we just do and and here's the thing we as individuals here in 2011 we can't ever come to the Bible especially a passage like this one with our minds already made up and our minds already convinced that this doesn't apply to me no this doesn't apply to us we can't just open up the pages already thinking this isn't for me this is about other people and not me I'm just gonna read it and move on Um, you know we can't do that instead We're to come to God's Word with a willingness to be changed. We should come to even an uncomfortable passage like this one with a heart that says, okay, Lord, is this me? Uh, You know, uh, I I want you to tell me if this is me, if you are trying to speak to me here. And then allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us about our own lives and our own choices and our own thoughts. You know, Daniel read Jeremiah's book, he says in chapter 9, and his response to... God talking about the sins of the people was to go to prayer and confess those sins listed there. And he included himself in what the people had done. And So this morning I'm asking all of us to approach God's word in humility and, and with a willingness to listen. If God, the Holy Spirit, might want to correct something in our individual lives. Because we're not immune. Uh, we're not invulnerable. It is possible for us to follow in the missteps of Moses there, or David, or Lot, or Solomon in their weaker times. You know, of Solomon in 1 Kings 3, we read this, Solomon loved the Lord. He followed all the decrees of his father David, except that Solomon too offered sacrifices and burned incense at the local places of worship. And so being prepared and understanding that, uh, you know, there is a propensity within us to sin and to uh, not follow God's word, let's get into our text. Amos 2 Says Thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of Moab and for four, I will not turn away its punishment. Because he burned the bones of the king of Edom to lime. but I will send a fire upon Moab and it shall devour the palaces of Kirioth. Moab shall die with tumult, with shouting and trumpet sound, and I will cut off judge from its midst and slay its princes with him, says the Lord. Thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of Judah and for four, I will not turn away its punishment. Because they have despised the law of the Lord, and have not kept his commandments. Their lies led them astray, lies which their fathers followed. But I will send a fire upon Judah, and it shall devour the palaces of Jerusalem. Thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of Israel, and for four, I will not turn away its punishment. (coughs) Because they sell the righteous for silver, and the poor for a pair of sandals. They pant after the dust of the earth, which is on the head of the poor, and pervert the way of the humble. A man and his father go in to the same girl to defile my holy name. They lie down by every altar on clothes taken in pledge and drink the wine of the condemned in the house of their God. Yet it was I who destroyed the Amorite before them, whose height was like the height of the cedars. He was as strong as the oaks. Yet I destroyed his fruit above and his roots beneath. Also, it was I who brought you up from the land of Egypt and led you 40 years through the wilderness to possess the land of the Amorite. I raised up some of your sons as prophets and some of your young men as Nazarites. Is it not so, you children of Israel? Says the Lord. But you gave the Nazarites wine to drink and commanded the prophets, saying, "Do not prophesy." Behold, I am weighed down by you, as a cart full of sheaves is weighed down. Therefore, flight shall perish from the swift, the strong shall not strengthen his power, uh, nor shall the mighty deliver himself. He shall not stand who handles the bow. The swift of foot shall not escape, nor shall he who rides a horse deliver himself. The most courageous men of might shall flee naked in that day, says the Lord. So last week we saw this same pattern and this same phrasing, and we saw the Lord indict Damascus, Gaza, Tyre, Edom, and Ammon. And with each nation, geographically, the Lord was spiraling spiraling in towards his own people. Now today we see three more nations, and we see him first address Moab. Moabites, of course, were the descendants of of Lot, Abraham's nephew. And so geographically and relationally, it was clear that God was circling in on his own people, and uh, obviously we see that today. Like with the other nations, we see God pronouncing judgment on Moab for horrific atrocities they had committed. All of those other nations it's talking about, you know, not only their their greed and their, you know, those sorts of things, but largely it's talking about violence and bloodshed and and, and war crimes that they were committing the the foreign nations had committed incredibly violent acts of bloodshed against each other and against God's people and the Lord was bringing his fire to judge them Uh, but now we see Amos turn his remarks to Israel and Judah and in his prophecy God's people are lumped in just like the Gentile nations same phrasing same warning same judgment of fire that awaited their acts We have to see that. if you were an Israelite at that time receiving this, you would see that God was very purposefully saying, you're like the Edomites, you're like the people of Gaza, you're like the Moabites, and now you. I'm going to list you in the same sense. But what were their crimes against the Lord? Looking at our verses this morning, we see that God was holding them accountable for their sexual immorality, their lies, their greed, their materialism, their subjugation of the poor, and the way they neglected spirituality in favor of physical pleasures. These were the behaviors that God had lumped in with war crimes and human atrocity, with murder and torture that the Gentile nations had committed. And um, I think that is an interesting thing to let sink in for a moment as we think about God's heart and God's nature and God's uh, hatred of sin. Now according to verse four, It was the rejection of God's Word that led to these sins. They failed to apply what God had told them and they found themselves in the state that Amos was describing. You know, they had the Word. I mean, there's no mistaking that. These people had God's Word. They had the temple. They had God's presence. They effectively had everything that they needed, yet they stopped applying what God had said to them to their daily lives. And it opened the door for these things. It opened the door for materialism. It opened the door for greed. It opened the door for lust. And God said that those things were just as bad, even worse, for his people than the horrifying things that these Gentile nations had done. And and it's just a really interesting thing when we think about that. And this is what can happen in our own lives. James 1, 14 and 15 says this, But each one, speaking to God's people, each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. And so God comes to his people and he showed them that they were doing exactly what these other nations were doing, even though they knew better, even though they had the temple, even though they had the word, even though they had his very presence dwelling among them. Now, in his love and in his justice, he was, God was going to bring discipline and correction into their lives. He was going to purge that cancer out of their spiritual heart and deal with what they were doing. Um, you know, it's a, you know, the judgment as phrased by Amos is the same, but you see that when God corrects or judges his people or the sins of his people, it's in order to purify them and cleanse them, not to blot them out. Whereas these other Gentile nations, often the Lord says in prophetic books like this, he says, hey, I'm going to blot you out. You're not going to exist anymore. I'm done. And as we'll see later on in Amos, though, the Lord says, hey, but with Israel, I'm not doing this to blot you out. I'm doing this to correct you. I'm doing this to purify you. I'm doing this to to leave a remnant that will follow after me, much like uh, he did with uh, Noah and the flood. Now. Again, I know at least for myself, when I read a chapter like this, you know, in my flesh, my mind immediately goes to a place where I'm thinking, well, yeah, the Israelites, they were just crazy. You know, the Israelites, they, they were crazy into deep idolatry and deep inner immorality. No wonder God brought correction on them because after all, you know, they weren't really following after the Lord. But when I read it, you know, these charges that God was bringing against them, I think on one level it, it should concern us even as God's people. Materialism, <clears throat> ungodly sexuality, oppression of the poor, greed, lies. Those are the things that God said he must judge. And here's the problem. On one level, we look at that list of things that God lists here in this passage, and we understand that those are things that are built into our sin nature. In all of us, in every person everywhere. You know, uh, the the propensity to lie, greed, and materialism. Those are things that are built into our sin nature as selfish human beings. Uh, But on top of that, we here happen to find ourselves in a culture that is constantly pressing us toward materialism, constantly pressing us toward greed, toward sexual immorality. We're inundated with this stuff every single day. And these things that God is listing here are generally accepted within our culture, And sadly, they're becoming even more accepted within the church as well. Not acceptable, but accepted, more accepted within the church. The enemies around us and the enemy within us are trying to drive us toward these very things which bring forth death, the Bible says. Now in response, God has said, listen, this stuff, this materialism, this greed, this neglecting of the poor, this discompassion, this propensity to lie those things bring forth death when you open the door to that and allow yourself to follow into that that brings forth death and the Lord has said hey follow me and live I I can show you the way out of this valley I can show you the the way into real life and to newness of life follow me and live but the choice is still before us day by day you know the Lord gives us a lot of analogies in his word so that we can more fully understand who he is and, and what he said what's interesting is that God sticks with his analogies throughout the Bible, and he reiterates them in a lot of different ways. Now, the idea of God being a consuming fire, if we start thinking about all the times in the Bible where God reveals himself or talks about himself as, as a fire of some sorts, Moses in the burning bush, the pillar of fire that led the people of Israel, all these different things. And then there's an idea of God's people being builders. That's one of the many analogies God uses often in the Bible. These are things that are illustrated in a lot of different ways book by book in the scriptures. Now in Amos, as we've already talked about, we see that God is dropping his plumb line in the midst of his people so that they can evaluate how they're building. That's what a plumb line is for, to take a look at the vertical build. And in our passage, chapter 2, he talks about these sins and the ungodly things that, you know, these people had been doing. And he said he's going to consume and destroy them with fire even when it comes to his own special people. Now, this warning and these analogies are directly given to us as Christians in the New Testament. Let me read you 1 Corinthians 3, starting in verse 9. It says, For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, you are God's building. According to the grace of God which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid which is jesus christ now if anyone builds on this foundation with gold and silver and precious stones wood hay straw each one's work will become clear for the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is if anyone's work which he has built on it endures he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. So that's Paul talking about our lives as Christians and what we're doing, how we're to be building in this life on the foundation of Jesus Christ upward and that at the end of our lives, there will be an accounting and a consuming fire that will come upon that work And those things which are godly and eternal will last, and those things which are fleshly and temporal will be burned away, uh, and we will suffer loss, uh, the text says there. Now these are warnings and instructions that we should not take lightly, because we have the same propensity within us to sin that the Israelites and Judeans of Amos chapter 2 had. Uh, And all they had to do to avoid these things, according to this chapter was keep the, God's commandments by applying his word and applying his power to their lives. That's it. That's the deal. You know, it's, it's not that the Lord said, you have to keep this law perfectly. And the law was given to show that you can't keep the law perfectly. But God said, hey, in all of those conditional covenants that the Lord made, the Lord comes to his, his people, whether they were individuals or comes to the nation, he says, hey, if you follow my word, you're going to live. You're going to receive those things which I want to do in your life. God has come to us and he said, hey, listen, here's what I've said, here's what I've done for you, here's what I'm offering for your life, here's what I'm calling you to be as one of my people, so are you living that out? Are you living life spiritually? That's what God is asking us. You notice there in verses 11 and 12 that the Lord had raised up his people. He had set them apart. He he called them out to be spiritual and to live lives dedicated to Him so that when people looked at the Israelites, they would see who God is. But the Lord points out that they were putting their physical lives in a place of priority over their spiritual lives. And it led them into sin. It led them to materialism. It led them to greed. It led them to neglect the poor. And to us in this age of grace and the age of the church, the situation is the same. If we live lives that pursue the physical... It's not only going to lead us into sin, like James pointed out, but all that we're doing in life is going to burn away before that inevitable moment when we stand before God. And he says, okay, let's take a look at your life. Let's take a look at what you spent your time doing. Because the kind of life that pursues the physical over the spiritual isn't plumb with God's desires. It's a crooked building. It, it, it's not vertical. It, it's a life that is wasted when it comes to eternity. But if we're honest, I think we have to admit that there is such a pressure in our hearts and in our culture to just spend life piling up for ourselves, spend life, you know, building more riches and building empires for ourselves, and and you know, there's a, it's easy to neglect the poor. It's easy to, you know, live in a way that pursues the physical more than the spiritual, uh, and it seems like we can do both. That's the big deception in our culture and in our generation and in our hearts it seems like we can do both it seems like we can live in pursuit of you know physical things physical luxury physical pleasures while also you know i'll also pursue the things of god i'll do them both but the bible just out and out says you can't do that you can't serve two masters the lord says you know and um, we need to remember that spurgeon once said this i love this quote the lord does not think much of riches and therefore, he usually gives them to ungodly men as men give bones to dogs. Uh, the Lord is gracious. He's loving. He's long-suffering. We even see that in a judgment chapter like this, you know, where it says for three transgressions of whoever and for four Hebrew scholars point out that that means, hey, I've, I've, I've given you grace and I've been long-suffering for this three times and now I can't do it anymore because you've piled on this fourth Thing. But he's been long-suffering, he's been gracious, but he looked at his people in Amos chapter 2, his own special people, and he says, you know what, guys? You are the Amorites. You, you, you're the same. And you know what? When the people of the world looked at the Israelites during that time, they thought they were the same too. It was like, oh, you guys think you 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 think you have this temple and you think you're special, but you do everything that all everybody else does. Uh, God's name and God's will and God's power was being profaned through the lives of his own people. Because they weren't applying the word of the Lord to their activities and their decisions and their attitudes. God had told them to be humble. He had told them to be loving. He had told them to live sacrificially. He had told them to be spiritual and actually pursue spiritual things, not just agree with spiritual things. And these desires we see God having here in 750 B.C. of Amos chapter 2, those are the same desires that he has today. As God calls us out and gives us a new life and a new direction and a new purpose... But if we approach God's word, which tells us to love others and tells us to help the poor and tells us to live sacrificially and tells us to walk humbly and treasure the Lord in our hearts, if we come to all of that, that God has given us and decide, I agree with that, but I don't really need to actually do any of that, uh, then we are the Israelites and we are the Amorites. We are the same and the activity of our lives is going to burn away when we stand before the Lord that which is built must be plumb in order to be rewarded. It must build vertical toward God. And our goal isn't to live life like Lot, Abraham's nephew who produced the Moabites, um, but our goal is to live life in the will of God, pursuing the things of God. 2 Corinthians 5.10, Paul talking about this again. He says, For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. We all... Uh, We have all that we need to build something eternal today. Every one of us have exactly what we need to build something eternal and vertical today. All we have to do is apply. Amen? All right.